Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Honestly Speaking podcast. Back with Jim, Farb, and Eddie. Um, we're here to talk about just the migration patterns of where people are living and how things have changed in the era of COVID-19. And with that, what is the state of entrepreneurship? How are startups doing financially? We got two entrepreneurs on the podcast, so they're going to talk about their backgrounds and what they're seeing. Also, Jim is going to pitch us on his venture idea. And Farb and me are going to play Shark Tank judge and shoot down all his ideas. And lastly, we're just going to, you know, vibe out about the things we miss most about the pre-COVID life, especially in New York City. So if you're into any of that, kick back and enjoy. Edition part three. Uh, part three. We're here. Jim, are you uh, in any Uber rides today? <laughs> yeah, I'm chilling. <laughs> I'm chilling today. Today's a chill day. <laughs> chilling on the block. Well, look, we're, I think we were talking about what we wanted to get into today. I think we're going to take a little bit different direction and talk about just, I think some more just like, uh, just like bigger questions we've all been thinking about and even some of the questions that we've been getting asked because of what we do, you know, Jim is a writer and nonprofit leader, myself as an you know, entrepreneur and running a foundation, Ed in the startup scene. I think a lot of us are trying to figure out kind of what's happening with all this stuff. But one thing I've been thinking about a ton is, you know, just what if we're in this situation through you know, six, 12, 18 months, what does that mean uh, for people's living situation? So obviously we, of course, know like all things, people disproportionately at the bottom. Of course, people are the ones who can't move and are gonna be already being hit the hardest. But for your middle income workers, your early 20 somethings, people out of, just out of college who are, you know, who are probably paying 50 plus percent of their income to their rent, they're living in the city because of these job opportunities, but also because <laughs> they want to party, they want to have fun, they want to go to restaurants, they want to meet up with friends. And if that reality is not a reality for six to 12 months, um, and many, let's just say they signed a first year lease last year, right? And this summer now that's coming around. If we hit July or August and we're looking at another six months of this, if I'm a 24 year old and I'm paying for rent myself and I'm in debt, and paying student loans. I mean, do I look to move home if I have that opportunity or do I look to move outside of the city with some friends and get a bigger place where at least I have room? I would think that there's gonna be a lot of that if you have the flexibility, if you can't get any of the luxury of being in the city. I don't know what that means for long-term city plans, but at least in the short term, I feel like a lot of people are gonna get the hell out. And I've been hearing from a lot of friends who are already canceling leases. Uh, yep. And, and that, this is like your, your more expensive major cities, but I don't know. What do you guys think about that? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I can only, I guess I'll speak to it from the angle, which I can relate. All I know, not all, but most of my life, what I know is New York City. And, and I don't have those options. I don't have that flexibility to talk about. I'm going to be here. This is where I'm going to be. Whether I'm going to be here in a penthouse or in a subway system, I don't know where yet, but I'm definitely going to be in New York City. But yeah, I would assume young people who have the opportunity to 
go back home, probably would, for all the reasons which you've mentioned. I can't help but to think, what's the upside of that? Um, and I think part of what the upside may, may be is that rent, this is a big if, because this is New York City, obviously, but perhaps mm. rent will go down a little bit, or at least people like myself who have not been able to rent an apartment in the city in the last two, three years may be able to get an apartment now, which is, again, it's kind of weird to say because, you know, those at the bottom will be hit the hardest. But in some ways, if you have the, the option to go back home with your parents, that's a gift in and of itself. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if it takes going back to restart and recharge and um, because this, this thing is probably going to take a while. I mean, this is the beginning. We're probably going to go into a recession. Um, if we're not already in one. So I'm not sure, Farb. Um, I'm well, intrigued to see what's going to happen with the city. Someone just sent me, uh, our boy Johnny Hobbs just sent uh, <laughs> me a, a Morgan Stanley timeline of when things could reopen, right? And mm-hmm. so if things, and I don't know if this is best case scenario or what, but it shows that we could really ratchet down cases by August, but we could have a potential second wave of infections between yeah. you know, November in March, um, right. which would probably be increased social distancing. And right. then, you know, best case scenario, that- there's a vac- vaccine available March 21st. But I've been talking to people and, you know, who are in that field. And once again, that's a best case scenario that we have something right. ready by then. So like, Ed, I'm curious, like 20, I mean, you're back at your parents' house right now just because of your injury, but um, 25, 26 year old Eddie, you know, what is this something you would have thought of doing potentially? Well, Ed, yeah. Ed, 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 do you still have your job? Yeah, I do. I'm working from so, home. So yeah. I'm assuming it won't impact you in terms of like not having a job, having to move back. But if you didn't have your job, you would sort of be maybe that perfect person in some ways Father is referring to, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for people living, paycheck to paycheck or whatever, and then spending a disproportionate amount of their paycheck for rent, you know, it's kind of, yeah, you, you, you're only living in the city. It's just, you're sort of like mortgaging your future to go to, you're, you're paying a lot in the city and you're hoping like, like, like Farb said, it just be in the thick of things and, and, um, you know, build up your social capital so that you can make more money in the future. So if that gets interrupted with you lose your job and you can't make rent then you got no choice, but to go, um, back home you know so i mean i could definitely see that because it's just it's not if you and then also not only if you just don't have your job but also it's just social distancing continues to be a thing that endures and you know there's still rules in offices and bars and just city centers in new york where you can't you have to have a limit of people being there that kind of like sort of defeats the whole purpose of the the city i agree you know, so it's kind of like you can't, you know, you because you just like your social capital, your professional capital just accelerates at, at light speed in New York. That's what that's like the appeal of it. And you can yeah, just accelerate your career really quickly, you know, years, years ahead of, of, of a more disparate um, uh, than a more disparate town and in, 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 uh, state and stuff like that. So if that appeal is taken away. And it will be because it's going to be a, it's going to be a slow rollout. It's not just going to be like, oh, we're back to it after this right. thing is over and that's true so it's it's definitely going to change so i think the way that you described it far the appeal of the city is definitely for the price of, of, of that of uh, where it's at currently is definitely less appealing so i think yep. people will you know 
sort of take a step back and, and chill. Yeah, the other thing I thought about was I, I used to date this girl who actually just moved. She moved last week. She moved from, she lived in the village and she moved back to LA and she's gonna live with her sister. And I said, wow, already? Like, you don't even give this thing a chance to play out? She said, no, because my lease is coming up. I figured I'd just get rid of it, go to LA. She said, I probably won't go back to work for months at least. So I might as well be with my sister. I have a room there and I can pay rent to her instead because she needs the help um, because things slow down for her and I need the help. So it's sort of like work for both. So I'm, I'm imagining a lot of young people will also go back home. And instead of paying rent here, they'll probably, you know, contribute a little bit to the bills back home with their parents. Um, yeah, definitely. Support each other at least for, for a little while. So that yes. makes sense. So there's like, you know, there's, there's, there's two things going on. Just the, just the, you know, the, 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 um, the social merits of living in a really condensed uh, or a, sort of a, a dense city like New York in, in LA and, or, or wherever, um, you know, that's one thing. Like, do you just want to do that even if you could afford to? Um, you know, does it make sense given the prices that you would pay even if you could afford it? And then secondly, there's, there's just the immense job loss. I think it, it, it kind of is kind of, um, um, you know, uh, it sort of uh, uh, unveils a couple of things that a lot of the job growth under the Obama administration, you know, maybe all of those jobs weren't completely secure and enduring jobs. You know, maybe they were a little bit more precarious. Yeah, unemployment went down, but um, the way that this COVID hit the economy and the way that it just destroyed employment across across the board and and um, spurred all of the unemployment uh, claims in the offices in an unprecedented way, you know, maybe all of those jobs um, weren't weren't that secure in the first place, right? So it's kind of like you got to kind of look back at that and be like, damn, well, was was that well, was everything gravy or were like the jobs not that so secure so secure to begin with? This is my hot take on this. I think that the new so what you look at the, the, the group of people who are the most socially mobile right now in this, right? It's upper educated, you know, college, you know, high college educated or, you know, graduate program tech workers or people who are remote workers who are in their like, you know, twenties to mid thirties, probably without kids or maybe one young kid. And <clears throat> I think that I could see this like whole, like, <laughs> counter reverse gentrification into like rural communities <laughs> which might like be all, a good thing by the way so it's like all of these individuals because you already see it a little bit right like the cats like especially outside new york like the catskills are starting to blow up because the hamptons got so expensive but every i mean that is like an area where people are all you know getting out to and a lot of these little towns are starting to pop up with little restaurants and things and you start looking at the fact that you can be back in New York City in 92 hours, two and a half hours if you need to for meetings. Um, if you can't access the same things in a city, but you can have all this beautiful nature, which I think even in, even a, in a month's time, month and a half time, think about how many conversations you've had with people talking about, man, look at how clean the air has been. Man, like you can actually yeah, hear birds, like, like all these different I've things. I've been one of them. There's like this new appreciation for nature that I don't think we've had because we're just not used to seeing it. Uh, and so I could see people with the highest social mobility looking to, to double down with that if they have the ability to be remote workers, um, looking at just like, what do they want 
for their lives, especially in the interim of this <clears throat> a long haul. So anyway, that's that's kind of my hot take, but I've been thinking about that. Yeah, I agree. I also think this is going to change the workforce in many ways. Um, I think that, you know, again, the essential workers we've talked about, the people we've usually don't pay much attention to. Um, I think this will spur some sort of movement that unfortunately the unions have not been able to do in the last 20 years because the union has been getting crushed. Um, I think those workers will realize their values and probably mobilize and unionize in a way we've not seen before. What not, not that we've not seen before, but perhaps since the, the New Deal, Ed's favorite thing. So I think that's going to be interesting also, um, far in terms of the, how things change in our um, society. But yeah, I, I agree with you. And I'm not, I'm not so sure some of those folks moving out of the city is a bad thing, to be quite honest. I, I gotta be honest with you, man. I think that the city can use more working folks and, and less billionaires um, and people at that higher you know, echelon. So we have to see. I do think that there will be some good things coming out of this um, inadvertently. Um, Jim, how, how are you feeling? Um, how are you seeing things around just like, uh, nonprofits and fundraising and friends of yours who are in this space right now? Yeah. You know, fundraising, as you can imagine, our, well, we've talked about this father. It's always been hard for me because I just have this weird relationship with money. Um, it's so weird. I, I just feel like money is so I feel and, like that's just way. Yeah, sorry. Have you felt, and, and I think, you know, I think for obviously there's lots of grassroots campaigns and GoFundMe pages, but I find, and, and I'm curious if you feel the same way, that the vast amount of money that's usually raised for nonprofits is from higher net worth people. Right? 100%. 100%. So you're, you're, you're stuck in this kind of like dirty game, even if the people are great people and you really yeah. enjoy them. Um, yep. but still like kowtowing to them. Yep. So in this situation, I'm, I'm curious to see, but I've been hearing that it, you know, fundraising is going to drop a lot as people are just like, you know, it's usually, you know, what, what might've been an accountant write off to them is now, you know, they're like looking at their books being like, I'm not sure if I can do that, even though they yep. could. Yeah, um, yeah, that's... but they're they're not looking at it the same way. So, <laughs> are you feeling that kind of same pain with plot and some stuff? Yeah. So everything you just said, for I was a hundred percent true. I mean, even when things were great, quote quotation marks around great, um, it was still hard for us to raise money, right? I mean, what we do for you know, let's look at plot. We mentor at Promise Boys from low income communities in Brooklyn. That's what we do, um, yeah. and. You know, there are groups of people out there that's really passionate about that work. But the truth is, the work we do is not as universal as, for example, let's say cancer, right? Like cancer, it doesn't matter. You could be black, rich, white, whatever, you can get it. Um, so those with a lot of wealth, usually a lot of the money they give goes to institutions like that. Whereas plot, we're so small, we focus on black boys and some people may look at them and they're like, I, you know, why is black boys such an important group for me to fund? Um, so we've, we've always struggled with that. And I've anticipated in what, what we've talked about in our board meetings is how challenging things will be post-COVID-19, even more so for us um, to be sustainable. Because again, as you said, 
the people we go to for the funding, now they're going to be even more judicious um, or, you know, about who they give to and how they give. And um, so, yeah, we're worried a lot. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be tough and complicated. So you, touched, but, you touched upon something that's interesting. So, like, a, a buddy of mine started an amazing nonprofit that then, like, combined with a bunch of other nonprofits that had like the same idea and it was like genius. They have great marketing. They've raised like over a million dollars in just a few weeks and they're buying uh, meals from small businesses to healthcare workers. Super needed yep. right now. It's awesome to see. And it's like one of these things, it's like right time, right place, right. They just, everything kind of came together. Right. And, and it should be happening. Um, but what also happens is, um, and not to take away from that, because it should be happening, and I hope it keeps growing in the way it's growing, um, is to your point, like all these other things that are always exposed in society yep. are, yep. are now suddenly taken to the side. Yep. And so I think that's a really tough one when you're like, when you're trying to raise money for education, yep. are to these like critical foundational things that are already hard. Now yep. you're not like sexier in vogue. Hey, that's exactly in, Swallow it up into this one thing, you know. So if you're not talking about yeah. nurses or healthcare workers, you're not talking. Like, you're not yeah. talking. And now, so here's I think the that's a tough thing. The interesting thing, though, with that, Fab, is you know I, I hate to do this, but I'm trying to do it fast. Let's look at the kids we mentor. The yeah. kids we mentor are more likely to end up in that population of the people who are dying the most right now, right? Let's just hypothetically okay. say, 40 years from now, there's another virus. The kids that we're mentoring now are going to be the prime target of that virus. Why? Young, black, uh, poverty, certain neighborhoods. They are that, that group that we've talked about in the last podcast. So in some ways, yes, focusing on the healthcare and medical professionals is important. But that population, when something else happens 40 years from now, they're going to be at the center of it again. So to not help them now is to actually create a problem later on, which will cost us more money and more lives. Um, yeah. So, and somehow we need to find a way to make all of it work because it's all connected. If for that sure. makes sense. Nah, man, for sure. Ed, how, how are you, uh, I'm curious, so like, you know, you're all at a company that's raised a bunch of money. You don't have to speak for them, but you also have a lot of buddies in venture and tech and, I mean, so do I, but mm-hmm. and I can speak this a bit, but you're, you're closer to it. Uh, I'm curious to what you're hearing uh, on that side of the business, um, for you mean for for startups that are venture backed? Yeah, like startups that are venture backed. You know, are people just getting wiped out right now? Is you know, what's the kind of general uh, feeling? Um, like I'm assuming for you guys, this doesn't like matter too much because you guys are music based, right? Your all your your customers always online anyway in, in music, but I guess for some other groups that are like more consumer base products where people are ratcheting back and <coughs> I don't know what what are you kind of hearing yeah I um for us we're a little bit lucky and we'll see how long that luck continues to to last we're, we're basically a company that's entirely online right so you got you, you talk about like tech startups but tech startups really tech isn't an industry in and of itself tech basically is like you know the the, the tech has tentacles in every other industry tech enables um, all other industries to be like, sort of, you know, uh, be more internet based and be more virtual, right? So like the first company I worked for was 
in the in New York was General Assembly, right? So General General Assembly is it's a tech school. It teaches tech, it teaches coding, and all the other jobs around tech. But it's also um, tech based in that you can uh, take virtual classes as well. Um, so they're getting hurt right now. If I was still at General Assembly, I probably would be out of the job because my job over there was more so based in our physical campuses. So any other, Which I imagine the bulk of their revenue. Um, yes, it was, it was initially now it's more like corporate sales, more enterprise sales. Um, you know, so they're kind of weaning off just the, the consumer, the, the consumer campus based, uh, stuff, but that was my job initially. And, and, um, if I was there, I definitely would be out of the job. I definitely would be home because that was the first company that I worked at <clears throat> in my early New York career. Um, so, and I think like that's true for most other companies that friends that I have that work at those companies or run recruiting at those companies, any tech company that relies on any physical location is hurting because that, that basically, um, you know, COVID takes out that part of their revenue. So genius is just continue. It's, 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 it's entirely internet based and in our revenue is internet based too. It's ad revenue. So we're kind of lucky, but you know, other companies like, you know, the wing, for example, um, right. you know, the wing, right. they have a lot of friends. That's an interesting there. example. Yeah. They, they've been basically wiped out because, um, you know, they're sort of the, the, um, they're in the real estate business, right? And they're yeah, in the real estate. In Kind yep. of like work, right? So yep. their whole business model is a physical space, spaces for women, uh, professionals, entrepreneurs, journalists, what have you. Um, and they've had to basically lay everybody off because they can't open their their locations, right? That's right. And they're getting right. no subscription fees. Yeah. Or no subscription fees, membership fees. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, maybe so, I think for I think for startups that are our, our venture backed have raised capital from investors, mostly institutional capital, not individuals like like you guys mentioned nonprofits are. But for those, I think that they have to kind of try and reach out to those investors to try and get an infusion of cat of, of, of cash in order to sustain payroll and try it that way if they're not getting the sort of the PPP loans from the government. Um, but you know, and then maybe those venture capitalists are tightening their belts because you know, they have to deal with their their sort of uh, limited partners, but yeah. it's it's a whole ecosystem that's being um, you know disrupted right now. Where companies that are not entirely internet based um, aren't doing so well right now. Right. Let me ask you guys uh, this question for both of you: The Wing, WeWork, Dumbo Houses. Can you guys explain a little bit? I mean, some of it is common sense, but can we? dive into that a little bit more why would those companies get sort of like wiped out so fast i mean ed you've touched on it a little bit already but i'm curious in particular with the wing for the um, wing is they've been so well for so long and also the the second part five is um what does this say about the sort of like path we were on where we thought that you know businesses like the wing and we work was sort of like the future Right? How does COVID nineteen wipe some of that off the table and say, well, I mean, WeWork was already struggling, right? But how does COVID nineteen say, well, hold on, maybe this is not exactly what the future is? Does that impact um, where we were gonna go? I mean, you know, or well, is it just? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I, I get where you're going with this. Um, 
first of all, I mean, Ed and I don't know what anything about the wings, like true P&L numbers, right? We don't know how much cash they have on. So right. I don't know per se if they're, they're wiped out. They've definitely probably furloughed all their employees because, and they wrote a note about it the other day. And I imagine, you know, they hope that they can open up in a few months. I imagine they have enough investor cash um, to hold them over for a bit. But where it gets tricky is they're a growth company. The whole point of a company like them is they have a rabid, uh, you know, group of people who love their product and they're growing fast. And when you grow fast like that in venture money, that usually means you're growing at a loss. But that's okay if your numbers of growth month over month are increasing. But if you suddenly, you know, you're building all these new centers, yes, your revenues are going up, but you keep getting more and more losses, but your investors are like, that's okay, because eventually you'll stabilize. Well, if suddenly you're exposed with, I don't know how many, five, seven, 10, 15 wings, I don't know how many they're up to, and suddenly you had a few million in, you know, monthly revenue and that could, and so that was, even though you were still losing money, you still had that coming in. If you had 30 million or 40 million in the bank and, but you were, and you were losing, I don't know, a few million, but you were still bringing a few million well, your burn just tripled. Right. Um, so it doesn't mean that some of their investors might not be like, you know what, this is a crazy aberration. We still believe in you. We're going to double down a new funding round and we're going to get through this because we still think you're a good business, which might so be the case. But for a bunch of the groups out there, if their numbers aren't there, it's this game of a lot of startups like hot potato, right? Yep. <laughs> you're, you're, you're building up, you're accelerating a business without proper traditional business fundamentals, which is operating at a profit in hopes that you can speed up and dominate a market in such a big way uh, that you'll eventually course correct. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, and, and, that's and obviously for them, a part of what they rely on is people like you and I, who are like, sort of like, you know, uh, freelancers, entrepreneurs, whatever, who said, hey, I'm going to come to your space and I'm going to pay this membership. And if we all experience in this together and we're like, uh, you know what, I'm going to pull away this membership for the next three to four months, which yeah. I will assume a lot of the members probably did. Uh, then the wing definitely had extra mojo. Sense. I mean, as being, I mean, they now have to allow men in because there was some like male, some like <laughs> white rights guy who sued them, which is definitely insane. Um, yeah. Oh, but, I have uh, feelings about that. Let's not get into it. But like, um, you know, originally there was, it was cool for women to have like, you know, men have had all these spaces, whether they were men's spaces or not, you know. Um, so I think there was something really cool about that. And I think that's why it, they, they built a really great design. They, and you know they they had really rapid growth so i think what they were doing is different actually dumbo house and so house is an interesting example because i don't know if the younger tier can do monthly but i, I know most are annual memberships where you pay one price all oh, all. right that's true so right. they so actually are probably bit. okay right for the that time makes being. Sense. and and they also have like a premium crew so a lot of right. people it's like they fought really hard to get in as is so i imagine they're not like looking to necessarily like most people don't go to so house very often i mean some do right. but most people yeah. it's just like to have this premium thing to yeah, it's more like a hangout <laughs> yeah 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 with yeah. the cool so boys I, the cool kids <laughs> th 
they're kind of like a, a weird one in this, but I imagine gyms are just getting annihilated. Um, oh, yeah. oh yeah. Anything that anything that's like something that you don't have an emotional attachment to, but it's something you you know you liked and you paid monthly. Um, that was real estate related. Um, yeah, you're like, so right. Because yeah. even if July comes around, gyms open back up. You know, the weather is nice. Someone like myself, for example, even before COVID-19, from about, let's say, April to October, I don't go to gyms. I run and I hit the parks. So if you add COVID-19 to that, I'm certainly not going back to a gym. Um, you know, I don't have the bread. Plus, I'm like, why, am I, why do I want to be like Ed and Fob? when I can be in the park with more space and running. <laughs> I mean, so people, people are in two different, people are yeah, not cheaper or want to pop more bottles. I don't know which, one, which direction yeah. it's going to be. Well, not everybody's going to do pull-ups on the street lamps, Jim. Like, that is true. Like, <laughs> Dude, I, did, I did that the New other old, day. You're right. New York, the old New York City is my Always had to be resourceful. Type joint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you true. wearing gloves? I do. <laughs> All right, good. I do. Yeah, you're right. All right, what's Yo, next, Rob? Let's let's hear about the startup idea you have. Let's let's let's. Oh, I've been I've been talking a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, this is uh, uh, the honestly speaking, Shark Tank <laughs> podcast. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people about that actually. For I spoke to my buddy, um, Mike Parker, who's actually one of those individuals we've talked about. He was a venture capitalist, um, invests in a lot of businesses, and so the idea was, um. You know, as a person who's from the most impacted communities when it comes to the the drug laws and criminalization of marijuana, and you know, my most of my life I've seen the marijuana business from so many different levels, from selling it to smoking it to pretty much where I come from a block where the marijuana business was our way of making ends meet um, before it was cool. It's always been that way. Um, obviously, as you can imagine, a lot of bl young black men are shut out, out of the job market. So we've always had to find uh, sort of like interesting ways to create these underworld economies. So thinking about that, I was like, man, if marijuana will become legal in New York State, which I believe it will once they're, they're able to negotiate the where the revenues will go right now, I can tell you for sure, the reason why it's not legal is because Cuomo wants 80% of the fundings to go to neighborhoods that's not been impacted. And obviously the black and brown policymakers are like, you must be out of your mind to think that 80% of the revenue will go to like Westchester and Long Island and in the very same places that benefited off of the drugs war, drug war, but not the communities which been mostly impacted. So that's, that's the dispute they're having. So I wanted to be ahead of that curve. So my idea was, now that I got the policy part out of the way, was to open <laughs> a small movie theater, um, two floors. The second floor would have a movie theater. The first floor um, would have an arcade slash lounge and hangout spots where it would be like, think of Dumbo House, speaking of, but for weed smokers right, who want to come into a place like a cigar lounge where they hang out with other weed smokers, smoke weed, talk shit, do whatever they do, get away from their wives or their husbands or boyfriends, whatever. They come into the spot 
they smoke weed, they play the game, um, they have a membership, they have to buy all the uh, products that they're using on the premise, and that's a part of the business model. They also have access to the games, they have access to the movie theater upstairs, which is a small movie theater, or other incentives we're thinking of uh, having for, for our members. Just a space where they can be around like-minded people in some ways, um, to smoke weed comfortably and safely. So that was sort of like the idea I've had for a startup. You know, I, I, I've spoke to a few people about it. Some people think that I should keep it just as an arcade um, and not the movie theater because it complicates things. Um, my friend Parker actually thinks that I should actually just open a dispensary and not the arcade. And his reason was that once you are in the space where you're going to need a license to sell like alcohol or food, now you got to deal with, you know, all different parts of like regulations. And he says that can be really challenging. Whereas if you just open the dispensary with the background that you have, that might be uh, an easier way to get into this business. So that's sort of like the idea. Um, obviously, that's it's long in the future because the law is not as not even passed yet in New York State, and obviously, coming away from COVID nineteen, you know, it's going to be a a challenge raising money for anything like that. But anyway, it's just an idea well, I've had. If, well, if you're a dispensary, you know, what's unique about that as opposed there, to like nothing, companies nothing. like Madman and stuff? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. No, no, there, there's nothing. I mean, I can try to make it unique in a sense that. You know, again, I'm from the, the neighborhood that's most impacted, right? Um, in that in that in that way, but other than that, nothing at all. Um, and and the, the arcade idea to me, the, the the uniqueness of it was the fact that again, this is a hub where individuals can come. It's not just about smoking weed, um, but a place where they can find different things. Um, it can be a place of networking. Um, it can be a place of uh, where you share and cultivate ideas. So just a lot of different things I wanted to do. Um, and I also wanted it, wanted it to have that, that 80s and 90s feeling. I remember playing, you know, Street Fighters in the, in the laundromat. I don't know how it was in the Burbs, fellas, but in New York City, you know, we all like out hustling, doing all sorts of crazy shit. And then we hustled four quarters and then we all chased each other into the laundromat, threw that shit in the, uh, in the arcade and, you know, we're playing street fighters and all sorts of games i was gonna uh, those ask were the highlights of our of our childhood of all the high activities that you wanted to create this thing out of the arcade was the first thing that you thought about in terms of of, of weed in the social setting and then at a physical space arcade being the focus was the first thing that you thought about why, why was that the first thing actually was the movie theater oh um, the movie and, theater okay right. yeah and you're gonna laugh um but pretty much one day i was high and I was watching a film, and the film was like 10 times better to me, right? Yo, you know it's going to be damn words, I was laughing, and I was like, jeez, man, I imagine Yo. a place where you have 50 people in the, uh -huh. in the room smoking weed, watching funny movies, right? Yeah, I'm just gonna be, it's just going to be a movie theater that only shows Adam Sandler movies or something. Like the, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I could just see that, that, I could see it derailing into that. Pretty much, <laughs> half-baked. So that was the first, though. And then I was like, ah. Uh, then I thought the arcade would really bring a New York City, like, 90s, early 2000 films, um, which I, I, I know it's a big thing in the city. There are places where you can go in particular. Right. Um, Yo, have you been to OS at 50 Bowery? 
No, I have not, but I've been to Barcade. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, OS is dope. It's, uh, it's a 50 Bowery. They were lucky that they took over an old restaurant, so I think they were able to take over the liquor license. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a restaurant like attached to the hotel, and they also were lucky that they had already like graffitied the hell out of the place, so it kind of feels like a 90s-ish feel, um, but they've got like in the they've got a little like food some booze but and then they have huge uh screens where people can do live streaming like tournaments but then and they have set up for like the different video game systems and then all the drop down computer systems and people can play all the different things there's like a day pass there's a membership pass some buddies of mine started it every time you need to visit because every time i'm there it's packed yeah. So I imagine something just like that far with weed as a part of the whole thing, if that makes sense. I mean, video games is 3X movies. I also, movie theaters, like, ne- like their numbers are always tough, right? That's and I, I have to imagine to, Jim, or to Ed's point, there's like sort of like, it's probably like licensing issues that make it more complicated, where video games are just video games, right? Yep. You, you buy the system, you, you buy the games, and then you sign up online. Um, yep. you also have like this, just like rabid crew and, uh, I don't know. I, I think there's, if, if you want to play, if you're playing on this demo of saying like starting, like thinking through, we, you were kind of going the story of like neighborhoods I was in, you know, there should be reallocation with funds, this and that, but like, just look at like athletics, look at how much time basketball players and NFL players talk about playing Madden and 2k and like all these different video games. I, there, there's probably like some interesting like collaboration, especially with some of the connects that you have that like, I could see there being some interested people in like launching something like that um, where, you know, there was maybe some, some affiliation there, but these, these sure. tournaments are, are freaking crazy, man. I, I, I don't know how you differentiate yourself and make it any different than what's out there. But um, I think, and then obviously getting the licensing for marijuana is a whole other nightmare. So I don't know how that works. Um, and it'd be interesting to see kind of what's happening, but I don't know. <laughs> but I'll tell you yeah. this. I mean, we, weed and video the, games are on the up. Literally. Yeah. Especially right now. Um, I was looking at the numbers in terms of businesses that took a hit during this whole thing and the businesses that did well. And the two main components of what the startup would be are actually doing very well. Weed is up. And video games are up, and they're probably always going to be up. They just they don't go down. Um, people are always looking for escapism in some way. So yeah. think about um, how much people are playing video games right now. It's kind of uh, crazy. It's insane. It's insane. I mean, you know, my, I told you, my, my boy Chuck, you know, he this dude created a, a, a video game and sold that thing for what, $200 million, which is like Damn. insane. Like, that's nuts. That a video game is, was sold for that amount of money. But, yeah, it shows you how critical it is um people play games and every kid plays them my son told me he wants to create video games so uh, maybe he'll be working in the weed spot <laughs> yeah man i mean who needs harvard anyway <laughs> <laughs> yo so, fellas well uh i i think we should uh wrap this up in a sec but i, I want i was curious we were shooting the shit about just like you know five things that we by the way about i just learned that that is life. a middle I just learned that shoot the shit. I learned shoot the shit, what it meant, like, how long ago? Maybe about a year ago, I was dating this girl. 
Jewish from Maryland, the suburbs of Maryland. And she said, you know, I just want hey. to shoot the shit. I was like, what? Shooting the shit. She was like, yeah, shoot the shit. And then I just realized that it's a thing we just didn't use in the hood like that, man. In the hood, we said we just <laughs> talking shit. Is that, that, well, that's a suburb term? Yeah. <laughs> we got yeah, to differentiate the, these shoot, things on the podcast. Shoot the shit is, I think, is more like, shoot the shit is more like just chilling and do, like doing an activity or something, maybe. But, is it more well, talking shit or is it more like kicking it? Same shit, chatting, kicking it, you know, politicking, you know, all um, that shit. Yeah, politics. It's just that, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. I learn a new term we have not used in the hood, I got to make sure I highlight it, <laughs> categorize <laughs> it. Because if I go back to the hood and I'm like, yo, let's shoot the shit, my homies may throw bottles at me. So I got to I gotta know, you know, where to keep my lines. Yeah, you're going to turn yourself into a target talking like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, fellas, uh-huh. where, I, where, I was, where I was going into it, though, is like, you know, we're – we're kind of, I don't know, what are we, a month and a half into this? You know, what, what are some things that I was saying? A month and a half already? Yeah. It was like, or, I don't know, five, five weeks. Yeah. So we're almost there. Um, Yeah. Kind of what are the, what are some of like the top five things that you miss from pre-COVID life? Should I go first? Yeah, Yeah, you go first. Obviously, uh, my hinge game is down. Um, (laughs) Can't move around like we used to move anymore. So I got (laughs) to, Got to hunk it down a little bit. Was Hinge um, your go-to? Yeah, that's my go-to. I miss taking the, the train as much as I used to. I still take it. I miss that. Um, to me, I think the subway system is probably one of the most special things about New York City for me. I miss hitting the parks in the hood, the, the padlock, all of our parks now, even though I jump over the fence sometimes, but I miss that. Um, yeah. Uh, Number four, I actually miss traveling a little bit. Um, and number five would be, I have not spent as much time with my son in person because he's, he's not high risk, but I can put him at risk. So uh, he's been spending more time with his mommy, which is a much better situation for him. So that would be my number five. Word. Ed, what do you got? I don't know, man. I'm just trying to think of like just non-generic bullshit. You got, I mean, you you got something deeper for it? I don't think I have anything deeper. I think it's like the simple shit, right? Uh, I don't even think it's about being deep. I think when, once in this change, it it realized, I think I've realized it, the simplicity of stuff that like actually makes me happy (laughs) or like the things in the day to day. Right. Um, You know, so for me, for sure, like, I'm someone who I'm, su- I'm such a not creature of like routine when it comes to food. My like favorite thing for anyone knows me is, is I am always trying different spots yeah, and then like right. seeking out new, like little like food spots that eat. So not ha- like it's been, I feel like I'm way healthier and like, eating, you know, just getting groceries and just making food all day long, but not ha- like, not being able to capitalize. He's downplaying it, man. I see the, the, the types of mills coming out of the, the farmer's home. <laughs> we're eating, we're, we're eating, we're eating well here. We're eating well here. But um, yeah, not having to have that spontaneity uh, is, is something. I miss the train too, Jim. I, I got to tell you, I think there there's something about just being able to pop around the city uh, yeah. and that feel and that energy of just like the city together is something that I've always really enjoyed. Um, I don't know, like I... I it's crazy that we don't have March Madness or like we won't have the NBA finals. 
that that that's like a, a weird thing that you know I didn't realize how much of like I was thinking back like year after year of how much time I spent on brackets and watching and like those days where it would be just like game after game that you're watching all day um and not having that um and then I would say uh just like honestly not being able to just walk outside my door and feel normal <laughs> it's right. just like it's a, that that eerie underlying feeling uh of negativity not having that just like constant kind of just like you know we're doing this it's on the up every day instead of every day being this kind of weird balance um and then something that i could be doing but i'm just not doing because i'm just trying to be healthier but I've never thought about fast food more in my life than I think I'm thinking about it now. Maybe it's just because I'm eating healthier, but boy, am I going to go in on something. I don't know. I've been thinking about Popeyes and Wendy's like crazy. Yo. Yeah. I had a Popeyes that, chicken sandwich too. That Popeyes chicken ago. sandwich. I, I could get one. It's right around the corner for me. Dude, uh, like, I showed up at the window. I was starving, right? No options. Everything closed. And the dude is like, I'm close too. I said, brother. <laughs> If I got to double your payment, I need one of those. He looked at me, he's like, all right, I got you. He, he slide one, uh, you know, with the sort of like that, that fancy pass when you dribble through the lane and you just throw it up to the side. Damn, <laughs> yeah. And for the listeners, no Popeye sandwich is not sponsoring this episode. He's got to exactly. just geeking and out over one. a fucking sandwich. I, st- I still haven't had it. I, oh, really? I, no, yeah, I, I never I stood online for it, yeah. but when yeah, when the right. thing is open, I just wanted to just see it, you know, what it was about. Right. It's, it's actually good, man. I can't lie. Yeah, fast you know, food sandwich is damn I good. It. I like, believe it. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. I just. Yeah. I mean, I it's gonna it. kill you, obviously. Point. You know, you don't eat it every day, but yeah. I would have one. Right. I get it at some point. I think my my main things that I love miss- that chicken from Popeye. Yo, okay. To sell us fried chicken. Yo, man, black people singing for chicken. I got feelings about that. But anyway. I uh, know. Um, that's, that's, yeah. that's called advertisement, Ed. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like some, you know, Angel Mom is singing for chicken. Anyway, okay, so my... By the way, fried chicken was invented in Europe. I think in Belgium. Can you believe that? Really? I thought they invented waffles. No, I think they invented fried chicken too, man. We're going to research that, but I'm sorry, go ahead. That's for the next episode. Bad. That's not bad. Yeah, right. I think white people started yeah. fried chicken, man. Can you believe that? Sure. I, well, I don't. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, all right. so <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to go off on a tangent, but no. I not. know, I know. All right. Um, I can't help myself. Uh, yeah, so my pre-COVID thing, I don't know. But much, of, much of like what, what, you, what you all are saying, just I think it's very New York specific. Just any all physical social activity, you know, whether that be just chilling with, y'all at the bar or eating dinner or whatever like that whole that was a lot of what where my money went in new york and a lot of where just my time went outside of work like that was just like a lot of the fun of the city being close to you know an expanding network of good people and hanging out doing social shit so all of that that's i mean that's probably with fob right yeah never knew that was a thing before i hang out with this guy oh yeah before that you find one hot spot you stay there fob is like now we're going to seven tonight you're going to seven. Yeah. That's, That's how you so do New it. York. That's how you do it. That's how you maximize your night, baby. Um, but yeah, that, and then, and it's like, you know, it's like some shit that pre COVID, like just going to different parks in the city with my headphones, listening to audiobooks and just people watching. 
Like that was a dope yeah. thing that I liked to do. I was like specific to, you know, the way I moved that I, you know, I don't know if people do it. I mean, I think most people just listen to music, audio books specifically and just watching the movements of people and like, you know, casting them in my narrative is really what I like to do. And then like, I think what mostly just like a good, just a good dap, a good handshake, a good hard dap and handshake when you're greeting somebody like that's going to be gone. After this yeah. is even over, too. Like that's especially just, in the hood, you know, you got to give that that and pull in for that hug. Now, you no, know, like, you got to pull in for the hug. Like, people funny, and you can, and then you can just be talking to the person for ten minutes and be dapping like five times, and and like <laughs> you know what I mean. You give <laughs> that's you, real. You, the person brings up a good point. You got you got to give him a dap. Like that's a good <laughs> point, man. That you know, like uh, that. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. More, mostly. I gotta say, all right. I gotta say, that's still fellas. I, I, I gotta, there's a simplicity about this whole thing that I, I gotta be quite honest with you, I really enjoyed. Um, this COVID-19 thing in some ways has certainly helped me with being broke also. I don't feel as bad about being broke right now. Man, sometimes when you broke, you walk by one of those outdoor restaurants and you see the bottle of champagne and that salmon glaze on the table. That could be tough, man. Right now, I'm not experiencing any of that. And there was some simplicity and beauty that comes with that I enjoy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man. We're, we're all, you, whether you're, you know, whoever you're at, uh, you're just chilling at home. There's, there's definitely right. not, you're, you're not having that like typical like Instagram, like envy seeing someone, whether their life is real or <laughs> pretend. Exactly. Uh, you know, everyone's, That's so true. everyone's just doing dumb TikTok dances. They're just looking dumber than ever. So, right. Everyone's uh, giving China their personal information. Agreed. All right, fellas, let's wrap this. Um, we'll, we'll be back next week with some more stuff. But uh, for now, uh, man, we'll have to check in. If, if I break, and get a top ice sandwich. Right. That'd be real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas. Peace.